No, I didn't actually attempt. Um, I haven't gotten to that point, I guess. The courage, the strength that it takes to be open and honest about this. Instead of just, you know, blaming myself that he's not here anymore. Uh, I was prepared to shoot myself. Um, and I called my family to sort of say goodbye. To be honest, I was scared reaching out for help because I was like, this could totally ruin my career. Somebody to have a more proactive approach and that he was coming to me to be that person. They found him and he committed suicide. I just started screaming. I just felt responsible. Hello everyone, I am Timothy Lawson, host and founder of the One Too Many Veteran Suicide Podcast and project. The past few weeks has has been a little scarce on the stories, but I've been busy trying to uh, gather more stories, reach out, tell more people about the project, and you know, really plan for the future moving ahead. What's interesting about today's episode is our guest, Zach, uh, is a friend of Christopher Vanette, and Chris was on the podcast earlier uh, in the series. Uh, and, you know, Chris told us about the event that lost his legs. Well, Zach was there, and Zach has his side of the story of what transpired after that event, what he went through uh, after coming back from that deployment. So uh, I think it's uh, I, th- I think it's interesting to get another uh, another story out of the the same event and and to see how it affected someone else in in a different way or in similar ways you know there's a lot to learn from that so i'm very i'm very grateful that, that zach decided to, to step forward and and share his i hope that we can learn from it and better understand what's going on inside this crisis here's zach boots telling his story i will follow up afterwards with some reflections I did uh, five years in the Marine Corps. I joined right out of high school. Actually, my dad encouraged me to um, join the military. He wanted me to join the Navy, and there's no way I was going to get stuck on a <laughs> ship for years at a time. So I, um, I definitely wanted to be infantry of some sort and wanted to shoot guns and all that. And I um, actually went to join the Army, and the uh, they were closed the day I went to go. The recruiters was closed the day I went, so the Marine Corps was sitting there, and we ended up going in there and talked to them, and, well, here I am. So, but anyways, the, uh, so yeah, I did, my first appointment was Japan, no problem, you know. We were all wanting to go to Afghanistan and all that, and when we finally heard the word that that's where we were getting sent, everybody was super excited, and it's just interesting, because, you know, we... We all want to go because, yeah, it's cool and, you know, you know, awesome, you know, war stories and everything. But it's really just like we all want to prove ourselves to the people that went before us, you know, the guys that we look up to and the guys that we almost somewhat want to be like. So when we were given the opportunity to finally do that, you know, it's very, you know, it's kind of an honor more than for me, at least it was more, you know, kind of an honor, like to be able to join the ranks of some of these guys that I looked had such, you know, reverence for. Went to Afghanistan and, you know, it was pretty okay deployment until, you know, we got um our squad got blown up and that just kind of um definitely changed everything for me at least. Um so um I'm gonna ask you to expand on that a little bit because yeah, I think, you know, us military members we get what we get what that means. 
Uh, but, you know, there's there's a decent amount of my audience that, you know, they haven't experienced combat, they don't really know what war is, so they can imagine what that means to have your squad blown up, but what event are you actually talking, like, what actually took place? Um, well, we were doing a, um, a night observation post, and um, our squad got, um, we were getting ready to leave that night, and one of our, one of our guys, um, we were getting ready to get out of there and one of our guys hit the first IED. Um, and then I wasn't right next to it, so I don't exactly know, um, who went. I think Chris was going to help Bounty out, the guy that got hit originally. Um, Bounty and Ivan Chan. Um, but they, um, I'm having a hard time remembering all this. Is this the same event that it took Chris's legs? Yeah. Oh, okay. So we so we've actually heard the story. Okay, so so this is so this is the same experience that uh, that took uh, Chris Van Etten's legs. Who we've uh, who we've talked to uh, on this show. Okay, so thank you. So anyway, so I don't know. So after everything happened, I mean, we put it was it like I mean the few things that I do remember from that night after like just hanging out. Like I remember. Looking at Chris, like I was, I was like we were sitting there together, waiting for the helos to come and everything, and it was just so like surreal. Like the, my mind was just trying to wrap around what was actually happening. It was just there was no, like all I could see was it, it just looked like training almost. It was weird, huh? You know, and and then there's like little like me and Chris talked about it quite a few months after we got back, and um. He had asked, we were sitting there and he asked me to, um, cause one of his legs was still somewhat attached. And, um, he, he, it was like twisted and I think it was like hitting a nerve or something. And he asked me to, you know, untangle it. And <laughs> we laughed about it later cause he told me, he's like, you looked fucking horrified. Like it was just, <laughs> you looked so scared. And I, you know, it was weird cause it really hit home. Like things were really bad. Like things, I was really scared and it, you know, you're in such like shock and just numb that, you know, I guess you don't really know what's going on. You're just kind of reacting. And it was just, it was like shit, you know, I was laughing. It was just like, it's, it's kind of funny, but it's, you know, it, it kind of hits home how, you know, really shitty things actually were, you know, a lot of us come home, we're like, yeah, we're fine. You know, it's cool. Like it was just like everyone else, you know, we just did what everyone else does. And I think it, it, it can, it can make your systems of, of depression and PTSD somewhat worse because in order to even start a healing process of any sort for all those things, you have to admit that, you know, things were bad and things did happen and it was a, you know, a horrible thing. So talking to him about that just definitely like, <laughs> it, it was, it was quite it was quite surreal to say the least. Yeah, I bet. So that we you you came home shortly after that event or you, you were were you still deployed for some time after, we were, after what happened? Yeah, we were out there we were out there for another I think three or four months and then we, we came back home. They um rest of the deployment was, you know still pretty somewhat kinetic. Um we didn't I didn't have to I don't think any of our guys got hurt. I think we might have we had like a a gunshot wound and some of the like a and a guys the afghan national army guys i think they got hurt a couple times but we definitely didn't have any do you uh more... did you take any any wounds 
Myself, no. Okay. No, I was blessed with that. <laughs> so, um, so we know we know Chris didn't go back out, but did you did you deploy again after that? No, I got um, I was out of I got out of the Marine Corps. I um, that's you know that's kind of um, part of the reason why I wanted to kind of get involved too is because I got home and um. I mean, I was hanging out with Chris almost every weekend. Every weekend, I could I would go down to San Diego and see him, and I'd see um, Bounty's wife, the guy that died, and uh, some of the guys that he, Chris was hanging out with in uh, Wounded Warrior. And you know, it was just man. Every weekend, it was just and you know, it was such I couldn't I didn't know how to deal with anything. It was so hard to see Bounty's wife go through all that stuff. It was so hard to see Chris going through everything, and it was it was just it, it was like I had no idea what to think or how to deal with it. And, you know, all I knew is I just wanted to be there with him. Yeah. And I, I ended up, I got a, um, one of, one of the times I went down to San Diego, I ended up getting a DUI. Um, and so that, that was just kind of, it was a start of just going down. Um, I ended up going to, they ended up sending me to a rehab. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. Wow. I totally, spacing it um that weekend i ended up trying to commit suicide that first that that weekend i had the dui after i got out of the drunk tank or whatever and um how did you attempt uh with razor blade on my arms why did you choose that method i don't know i guess i didn't really have any other way that i knew of i i was pills or <laughs> i didn't really have any access to and usually my body like I think it was alcohol or anything, like before I can, you know, drink too much or whatever, I ended up throwing up anything. So I figured that wasn't going to even work. I don't have any weapons. So that was kind of my go-to thing. I ended up like, I mean, I've, you know, I just sat there, I came home and I was just drinking, just drinking and drinking. I mean, back then, good Lord, I drank so much and I was literally drinking to just numb it. So I wouldn't feel any pain when I did it. Yeah. And then when I finally did, um, I was just by myself in the bathroom and uh Bounty's wife wouldn't he, she was the only one there and she was like wouldn't leave me alone or whatever and so I finally had to like come out and talk to her but it was kind of too late so we had to go to the hospital and um so I ended up spending like two days in the uh, little like the psych ward that they have there yeah. and uh so we, no, it wasn't two days. It was like five or six days. And then the, after that, they wanted to send me to this other alcohol rehab. And, um, it was just kind of frustrating because like my, you know, I didn't really know what was going on outside. Um, you know, I, I was talking to Chris. I was talking to a few guys from my squad. I was talking to Martin, my squad leader, but nobody could really tell me what was going on. You know, I had a DUI to deal with. You know, I was like, I have no idea what to do. I didn't really want to go to the rehab. You know, I just wanted to go back to my unit and take care of whatever punishment I was going to get and get on with my life. But, um, the guys there like pretty much told me if I didn't go to this rehab that they were sending me to that I could get in more trouble. And I was like, so anyways, I ended up going, I ended up getting kicked out, um, for drinking there. And, um, one of the, 
some guy brought alcohol into our room and so ended up drinking there and um <clears throat> so anyway so i ended up back in my unit and um just kept going down and down just kept messing things up for myself um ended up getting on restriction and so restriction means that you pretty much you don't have any of your own belongings you just have your military uniforms and that's it yeah and um so that i i just freaked out after that i couldn't handle that at all so i ended up leaving the base um going uh ua you're not supposed to leave and uh, there you go and um <laughs> It's so, funny we, we we use acronyms so long, so many, so often that like exactly. we, we forget what they we know what they mean but we often forget what they actually stand for. Totally true. But um, so I ended up leaving for about three or four days, and um, I got another DUI on that um, thing. Funny, it was it was like I had a few beers. It was but um, my truck ended up breaking down in the middle of the freeway, and the cops had helped me to the side. Oh wow! And so they could smell it on my breath. Sure. And um, so anyway, so. After that, my unit picked me up from jail, and um, so there was um, there's a couple altercations there with my unit, some legal issues that I'm trying to deal with that they did that were wrong, but I don't really want to get into that part of it. But anyways, th- so I ended up back at a unit. Um, let's see, I ended up, s- they sent me to the brig for like 45 days or so, and um because now I was being, I guess, technically court-martialed, but it never got that far. We, we, me and my lawyer made a deal. They were going to, um, they're going to discharge me no matter what. It was just how they were going to discharge me. So they tried to get me a general under honorable, but I guess the Marine Corps CENTCOM didn't go for it. So I ended up getting out with an OTH, uh, or other than honorable. So anyway, so before that, before that, my, um, my chain of command ended up getting changed, so I had a new first sergeant when I got back, and um, he tried to keep me, he tried to, you know, I remember him sitting me down, and, um, you know, I'd been in the brig for a while, and so I was kind of cleaned up, I hadn't drank in a while, so I was thinking a little bit more clearly, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, so I looked better, and I was, you know, whatever, and um, I was sitting down with him, and he was like, you're a good Marine, and I was like, what? You know, I couldn't believe, you know, he was like, you don't even know me, how do you know that? And um, he's like, I'm looking at your file. You're really smart and you're really good and you did good shit out there and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, do you want to stay in the Marine Corps? And I was like, hell yeah, I want to stay in the Marine Corps. And um, so he ended up trying to talk, but it was just, it was way too far. I, I had way too many transgressions at that point And, you know, the kind of paperwork was already on the way. And, um, but anyways, he ended up, he did send me to a rehab in San Diego called Aurora. And, um. It was like, it was more of a civilian, um, rehab. It had a military, it was a military and civilian, uh, and, uh, that one, I mean, the, the therapist or that I had there was, I mean, if I hadn't, if he hadn't sent me there, I would, I would not have been able to get out and (laughs) deal with, deal with life. I mean, it was, it was like night and day when I got, when I finally, was able to find somebody that could help me with, with some of this stuff. And, so how, you know, and how it, long were you in rehab? I was in that rehab for 35 days, I think 40 days. 
And what, and, uh, you know, so we, everybody understands that rehab is, you know, rehabilitation and it's, you know, it's to, um, you know, work out any sort of, um, you know, emotional or mental health issues or addictions or, you know, substance abuse, stuff like that. But like, what, what is actually going on? Like on a, on a, on a daily basis there at rehab, like, what are you actually experiencing? Um, well, there we had a couple of, you know, some of them are different, but this one was, it was an inpatient, so you're there 24-7, you do um, Monday through Friday, uh, they're very, you know, they don't really force you to do anything, but they're very, they encourage you to do as much as you can do, um, and if you don't, I mean, they, you know, they, they'll hassle you, you know, they don't just let you sleep all day, Yeah. but, um, you know, you wake up in the morning, go to breakfast, whatever, and then you have this, you know, groups throughout the day, sometimes they're fun groups where you, like on Fridays, we'd have one group where we just play this weird question game or whatever about um what's that one game it's like a the game like regularly you play you can buy it like target but um you know just have fun and then other game then other days it would just be talking about alcohol or ptsd or depression or some of the things that you go through or some of the things that you see and how to deal with it and you know and a lot of it wasn't you know a lot of the groups i i feel like some of them i didn't really get a lot out of um just because i been to so many groups at that point it was just like you know a lot of things I had heard before and a lot of the times you know the groups would get frustrated because the curriculum that they need to use and they use and I, I somewhat agree with it is you know it's not like they're just up there preaching to us and telling us hey you need to think this way or you need to do that or whatever it's asking us like how do you want to do this or how would you want to go about that and that you know trying to get us to you know think how to you know think differently now but the biggest thing I took away from it was just my, my therapist and she was just, she was the first person, you know, to believe me that when I said I wasn't an alcoholic, you know, a lot of the times, you know, you go to all these places and all they do is just label you as you're an alcoholic, you drink too much, it's in your, you know, you're, you're a, um, what do they say? Like it's hereditary, it's in your, yeah. it's in your genes, you know, it's, it's not your fault. You know, you just need to admit that you are and, you know, whatever. And you know, I just, I couldn't go for that. Like, I had been around alcohol for four and a half years in the Marine Corps. I mean, guys in my barracks were barracks in my room, you know, like, we're hardcore partiers on Friday nights, you know, like, we drink a lot. And it just never appealed to me. Like, I would drink sometimes on the weekends at my friend's house and we played beer pong and have a great time. But next day, I was like, I'm back at it. I'm back running. I'm back working out. I'm doing my thing. Like, it just never, it was never a thing for me. And then once everything happened, that's when I was just, I couldn't put it down. And so I just, I could never, I, you know, I could never buy into the whole alcohol, alcoholism thing that I was an alcoholic. And she was the first person to be, you know, think, believe me. And she's like, okay, well, if you're not, then, you know, we need to, and she helped me out with all this stuff. And it wasn't just, you know, some of the stuff with my, what happened in Afghanistan, you know, what's happened in my childhood. What, I mean, everything comes out at that point because, you know, a lot of people, I believe, you know, just deal with a lot of stuff. You know, everybody has their own you know, demons or whatever. And then, you know, stuff like that happens over there. And I mean, it's just too much. And, you know, so it's just you come back and you just shut down. It was nice to be able to finally, you know, deal with all that stuff and, you know, you know, I'm still, I'm not perfect. I'm still dealing with a lot of it, but, it, you know, it's managed. <laughs> Rehab didn't make you perfect? <laughs> <laughs> Afraid not. So, how, I mean, how long ago was this? The rehab? Yeah. 
Uh, let's see, that was 2013. That was like May-ish, I think. A year and a half ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I mean, so what happens after, what happens after rehab? I mean, what, uh, you know, what sort of, what sort of life experiences are you going through then? And, um, are you, and are you still struggling with things uh, moving forward? Yeah. So, I mean, I got out, they discharged me about a month later after rehab and, um, so yeah, that, I mean, that, that's when everything really started. That was tough for a while. I mean, at first it was nice. I moved in with my girlfriend and, you know, things are all hunky dory with me and her. And, um, you know, once the little, you know, honeymoon period is over with her, you know, things were really tough. I mean, I was, I had a huge chip on my shoulder coming out of the Marine Corps. I mean, I, I hated having to work these like, you know, just kind of shitty jobs. And, you know, I was just looking down on everyone, like, oh, you, you know, and civilians or, you know, we, you know, and just had a horrible, horrible attitude about it. And, you know, it took me quite a while. I mean, my girlfriend helped me a lot. You know, she's, you know, she was just like, this isn't right. Like, I'm not going to put up with this. Like, and so that helped me kind of push myself farther than if I, you know, didn't have her around and, you know, just learning that, yeah, people aren't going to understand. People have no idea. People generally don't care and don't have any idea what you're even talking about. I mean, even now sometimes that, you know, I've learned to just let it go and relax a little bit. I mean, something that I've been trying to figure out for myself is like, what does it mean for someone to like care? Um, you know, cause there's, it's a, it's a big accusation that we give the civilian population that like, Oh, they don't really care. And it makes me wonder like at what, you know, I think they have to go through a few different steps before they get an opportunity to care, right? They have to be aware, then they have to understand, and then they actually have to, like, then it comes, like, a point of, like, sympathy on, you know, and then whether or not they actually care. And I I think in what I've learned, and, you know, you can, I'd like to hear, you know, your perspective, but, um, you know, I've learned that most of them just don't understand, um, and... Even when they do, they can't really wrap their heads around it, and it's hard for them to empathize with it, and I think it, it makes it more difficult for them to care actively. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people care passively. Um, what, you know, who knows, you know, if, if that, how much that really matters, but, uh, I think, um, I think there's just such a lack of understanding, cause how, do, I mean, how do we convey that? I mean, I, you know, I was in the military and I don't even really understand, you know, what, you know, what you and Chris and other you know, Marines had to go through. I never had to go on, a, uh, you know, I never had to go to Iraq or Afghanistan. Um, and, and, you know, so take me who's just, you know, one, one degree away from what you experienced. And I don't know, I, I have a hard time even understanding that. So you take someone who hasn't had, who hasn't been exposed to military life at all. And all they see is what, you know, they see the news on CNN and they see, how it's portrayed in uh, Black Hawk Down and American Sniper, and that's their only exposure to really trying to understand what military life is like. So um, I think, uh, you know, whether or not, you know, who knows whether or not anybody really cares, but I think it's, uh, I, I think, I think it's hard for them to care because it's even more difficult for, I think it's just as difficult for them to understand, and you have to be able to understand to really then start to try to empathize and sympathize with somebody. Right. Yeah, no, you make a really good point. And then like, <laughs> I've had this conversation with other people too. And it's, it's like, it's, cause you're right. I mean, it, like, it's, it is kind of like labeling everyone as, 
you know, this like not caring at all thing, which I, you know, isn't true. It's just, it's, I guess it's hard to come back and, you know, see someone complain because their post on Facebook didn't get enough likes. Or, or somebody, somebody knows who the, the latest, you know, I don't know anything about sports, but, you know, who, whoever, whoever is, you know, the, the coolest, best football star, the, you know, quarterback for the Super Bowl tomorrow, you know, they know all the stats and who's playing and whatever. But until, you know, a week and a half ago, nobody knew who Chris Kyle was. And, you know, that, it, it just kind of bothers, bothers me a little bit. And, you know, p- most people couldn't put a, put a, put a finger on Afghanistan if I gave him a globe. I'd probably and, still do that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's in our faces all the time. Like these guys are over there 24 yeah. seven. And if I went downstairs and, you know, just asked somebody, they, they'd look at me like, what, you know, like, what are you talking about? Like, what's, what do you mean? What war? And I mean, that's not even people's fault for the most part too. I mean, you know, even just the news, I mean, they've, they stopped airing stuff over there like they did used to, you know, a while ago. Right. You know, now it's, now it's, finding about bombs and you know now we have whole nother mess that's over there now that we're kind of pulling out but anyways um it's just it's you know we come back and people yeah they see black hawk down they see american sniper and all they see is the cool shit that they want to see and the oh man you took out that kid or or whatever oh my god that was horrible like how did he do that or you know but they don't see when they don't notice and they don't pay attention to and you know I'm I might be wrong I might be generalizing I don't know but I feel like you know the parts that like when I watched that movie the parts that hit home for me was when he's sitting in the truck and that van goes by and he sees the van that he saw in Afghanistan that shot back at him yeah you know and he's zoned out and he and he and he and his wife's just looking at him like what has happened to you you know and in I'm not saying that, you know, that, that thank God it hasn't happened to me and I, you know, haven't seen enough to, you know, I haven't had to go through some of that stuff. But, it, you know, it's, it's, it's always in the back of your mind for us. You know, it's always right there. It's always just right below the surface. You know, Afghanistan and those scenes and just walking into the fob or walking on patrol or, you know, some, sometimes some of the more horrible things that went on during there. I mean, you know, it's just right there and, it just, I guess, you know, I guess the understanding of, from other people just, I mean, I like the fact that, you know, movies are starting to portray more and more of the current stuff. That's really, that's kind of nice. Who were some of the first people to find out about your suicide attempt? Yeah, just the guys, just a couple of guys in my unit. And even a lot of them, like once, I mean, I talked to them like six months later and they're like, wait, what happened? You know, and, um, but yeah, it was just like, Chris and um like his family his mom was there or not there but she found out and um like some of the some of the higher ups in my unit but for the most part it was pretty pretty you know I mean even after the suicide attempt like I was still after I got back to the unit I mean I was still I was still drinking a lot I was still you know I would drink by myself all night and still you know go cutting away at my arms like my arms have really bad scars now from it and you know it was was like a good two months I think of of just 
<laughs> just just surviving, I guess, and not even wanting to. I mean, some you know, it was just drinking every night to try to forget everything or drinking, you know, and other times it was drinking to try to remember and, you know, try to feel like, you know, because you feel so numb from it all that, you know, you can't cry or you can't feel anything or you, you don't, you know, you're so confused. And so, you, you know, I was drinking to try to, you know, feel something, to try to cry about it, to try to feel like, okay, I look, I'm crying, so I feel bad about this or I feel sorrow or something, you know. Otherwise, it was just like, what's going on here? Like, I can't feel anything. It was a good, like, month or two of that before I ended up, finally ended up getting help. How are you now? Like, how is, how is your mental and emotional health now? Now, I mean, it's, like I said, I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's night and day. It's, I mean... I just, I mean, I still, I still, I, you know, sit here and I'm, you know, I think about it. I'm like, I can't believe that I did that to myself or I can't believe I drank that much. Or, I can't believe I thought that way. Or, I did those things. I mean, I, that, that would never even cross my mind as a, as a even option to do, you know, as, as, you know, pers- somebody that was, you know, thinking clearly. And, you know, so today, you know, and I got, you know, I have, you know, I finally have a, a solid job. You know, I'm look, being looked at for management in my job. You know, I'm looking to go to school. I'm getting my um, my benefits together. And um, Where are you I go gotta, to school? I'm trying to go to, to well, probably, I'm not sure, but ITT Tech is kind of my my idea right now. I haven't done too much research yet because I want to do something in, like, technology or electronics. Okay. But um, it used high. to be. Go ahead. No, the, aim high. Oh yeah. 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 I used to want to do something with cars. Like all my friends are like, let me guess, you're going to be a mechanic. And I just, I thought, well, you know, you can't be 65 years old and still be a mechanic that usually doesn't work too well. And plus I'm kind of done being dirty all the time and working with my hands. Yeah. The, but, uh, uh yeah. you know, GI bill, the, the benefits are that's like, that's pretty much guaranteed money for schools. And so, you know, make your list of schools you want to go to and apply with the, the top one first. Uh, oh yeah, sure. yeah. I'm just. I gotta. Since I did get kicked out, I have to apply to get those benefits, and so, okay. so I finally got somebody that in my, somebody that um can help me out with that, and we're putting a package together. I have lots of letters from some of my guys, um, my superiors and bosses from work, and um, I'm I gotta request some stuff, some documents, and everything, and so I can send the package up, but. They're helping me out with that, so hopefully in the next couple months I'll have my benefits from the VA, and then uh, maybe in another year, by next year, hopefully I'll be able to go to school if it gets approved. So keep yeah. her finger crossed and keep praying. Absolutely. When you were, um, did you have, did you try talking to anybody um, when when you're when you're going through this, especially like when you were when you were cutting yourself, and you know maybe not as directly as trying to talk to someone about what. Uh, about what you were doing, but did you ever try um, expressing any, uh, you know, emotional health issues? Mm, not really. I mean, I felt like I was like, I felt like everybody else was fine. Like it was weird, you know. Like I felt like I was the only one going through this, and I was the only one that was feeling this sh- bad about everything. And it, it was like, it was, it's like, damn, like. I must be the only, like, all these guys are just, you know, they're able to handle it so much better than me, and, like, I'm just, like, falling apart here. So, I, you know, it's just, I guess I didn't really want to. I mean, I, call, I would talk to Chris, you know, when I'd come down and be like, because he seemed to be handling it really well, too. I mean, this guy, you know, was there, and, you know, 
lost more than I did. And, you know, he, he seemed to be handling it so well, but, you know, it's just, I remember we had a conversation outside his house, just like, you know, this is, you know, I remember telling him, I was like, this is the way it's going to be from now on, huh? And he's like, yeah, it's just, it's different. You know, everything's changed. And I remember talking to my friend behind our, uh, on our fob, you know, we'd stay up night, all night sometimes, you know, just talking. And I remember I was like, after everything happened, I was like, nothing is ever going to be the same. Like, I have no idea what's going to go on, but it's never going to be the same. Like, it's, it's not, nothing's going to go back to normal. And, and I was totally true. But, um, but yeah, but, you know, I, I guess I, I guess I felt just, I don't know, I was too depressed to having too much of a, you know, wallowing around in my own, you know, just sorrow about the whole thing. It was just very, you know, just going, you know, deeper and deeper about, you know, everything that happened and just almost, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I almost didn't want help. You know, I just wanted to, you know, sometimes die, just, just be done, you know, just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, sometimes I would think, feel about, I'd think about bounty or whatever and be like, that guy had like a wife and stuff to go home to. Why couldn't, you know, like maybe someone else have died, you know, that didn't have all that to go home to, you know, like seeing, seeing her go through all that stuff was like really tough, you know, like it really sucked to like see that, you know, I was like, Jesus, like here's this, you know, girl that whatever, like that, you know, loved him and they got married and they were going to, you know, have a life together. And then it just, you know, got cut short. That you know, that was really hard to see and really depressing and just really like, God, you know, how do, how does, how does someone fix this? Like, how do I make this better? You know, and there's no answers for that. And that was really, that was really just, you know, that hit me really hard. And then, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it for a while. You know, if if you met a Marine tomorrow who just returned from deployment and you were aware that one of his friends had died, like what, um, you know, what sort of counseling would you suggest that he seek out or how do you, how, you know, through, through what you experienced, you know, with, without being like a psychologist or anything, but like what, what sort of advice would you give him on trying to mend and, and to come to, come to, come to wraps on, on what happened? Talk to people. I mean, people that tell you that, you know, hey, you'll be okay. Hey, you'll be fine. You know, whatever. I mean, you have to, I mean, whoever it is, you know, it doesn't matter. Just, you know, somebody that's, somebody that you feel comfortable talking about some, something like that. I mean, it, it never makes sense. Like, in the moment, you're just like, why am I going to talk about this? Why am I going to bring this up again? Like, I'm pissed about this. I'm upset about this. I don't want to talk about it even more. I'm trying not to think about it. But, I mean, every single time I've been upset about anything, not even just deployment, just, just anything from anywhere, you know, the minute I start talking about it, or for me, I start writing. I write a lot. And, you know, the minute I just get it out there and whatever, you know, it, it helps, you know, and I'm telling you, it's just letting it just simmer and, and keep, and keep it inside of you is, is, it's going to make it way worse. Absolutely. Zach, uh, a lot of times when my guests come onto the show and, and you know, they, they want to share their story or the story of a, of a, of a loved one, you know, they have a, they have a message that, uh, that they, they want to be able to get across or they have a part of the story that, um, you know, they, they intend to intend to share. Is there any part of your story or your experience or any message that you want to get across that we haven't touched on yet? You know, if you really, I guess when, if, if somebody says they're a veteran, like, you know, like you said, the whole Black Hawk Down thing, I mean, that, <laughs> it's funny because when we go, 
when we go in the Marine Corps, like that's a big thing. Like, oh, it's gonna be like Black Hawk Down or Call of Duty, and, <laughs> and but you know, people, you know, sometimes they, you know, they ask you if you know we killed anybody or anything, and you know, and this is one of many examples of just you know how people. I mean, like you said, like people people don't know and they don't understand, and so they just want to know. And because I mean, that's you know, that's that's like a big thing, you know, somebody killing another person, and you know, people are like that's kind of cool but at the same time i mean they ask us these things and it, you know it kind of makes us angry for i mean reasons that a lot of us you know don't really understand like i mean it puts us in a when they ask us that it puts us in a weird position that you know we're if we say yes you know they they think like we're you know some kind of like civilized i don't know civilized psycho that you know, we went over there and did these things for like a good reason, but at the same time, we still killed somebody. And if we say no, well, then we're just like, we're nobody. Like we don't, oh, well, you're not as badass as, you know, we thought you were. And also, you know, it puts us on a spot. It recalls a lot of things that we don't want to remember. And as it, as very difficult, you know, to keep those memories at bay. So, you know, I guess it's just being more sensitive to, some of the things that you know we're going through. Thank you for for joining me and for and for sharing your story. It's, I'm gonna guess that this is a story that you don't that you don't share often. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Um. Would you, if someone came to you with, you know, came to you and expressed thoughts of suicide, would you empathize with them and share your story? Of course. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Depending on who it was, I would, I don't know if I would tell them the whole story, but right, definitely tell them. That I know how it feels to be in such a dark place like that. Yeah, it's good because I think I think that's what's important, and that's one of the objectives of this podcast is to uh, to make people more comfortable with the idea of you know sharing their story for the sake of empathizing with someone else who may be also experiencing suicidal behavior. I mean, like the the one seven Facebook page that we just created. Um, you know, it's things like that that I I hope keep happening and keep people actually use and and you know i mean it was used for you know hey man i'm going to be in indiana at this time this day anybody from our unit going to be there you know want to hang out you know posting you know where there's is you know i've heard of organizations that have you know they have guys on phones all night long and all day long and have saved people's lives because somebody found out that they were posting some suicidal things on facebook and they ended up tracking them down and saving them and from doing something, you know, dumb. And so I just, I hope that, you know, call, call each other and message each other on Facebook and all these, we have so many ways of talking to each other nowadays and, and, you know, keep in touch. I mean, some of the guys that I've served with that saw some of the even worse things than I did. I mean, they're going through some really rough times right now. And, you know, one of my friends is, um, going over to see him this weekend. And, you know, it's really glad because he's been struggling with some of the suicide stuff too and you know just seeing some of this stuff and then having to get out of the marine corps and be alone and all you have is all these you know all you have is you know your friends from before the marine corps or your wife or your girlfriend or your kids and you know you're you're drowning in 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 your your real life you know just your regular stressful life of jobs and wives and kids and bills and all this and then all this stuff is now on top of you know stuff that you haven't even you can't even understand or you know get past and so i just hope that we can you know really as veterans band together 
through all these avenues of online and phone numbers and emails and organizations and really use these ways to, you know, keep each other alive at this point. Cause I, I thought it was just, you know, I guess before I thought, it, you know, it was just like a statistic or, you know, it was just some guy that, you know, just couldn't handle life anymore and, you know, whatever. And, you know, it wasn't that big a deal. Like a lot of guys, like they're all, you know, we're alone and we, you know, we don't, we get overwhelmed and we can't handle it anymore. And I think we just, you know, we forget how much help is out there and that we, you know, I just hope that we can remember that we are here for each other and we would, you know, especially the guys that have seen some stuff, like we would literally get in our cars at, you know, 2.30 in the morning and drive a couple hours to make sure somebody has stayed alive. And I just, you know, I hope that people, that, you know, we can we can band together no matter, you know, who it is and stick together with our squads, our units, the guys that, you know, we were with and, you know, and realize, you know, that, you know, this is just, it's a short time. Like, this isn't going to be forever. Whatever thoughts and whatever hardships and whatever it's not gonna you know you know it's not final it's it's just for right now and it's gonna be like this for a little bit but it can get better and you know it's not worth you know just trying to end it right now as with all my guests i really appreciate zach's openness and his honesty and his willingness to be vulnerable uh, to share his experience and help us understand what was going on inside his life I, I think some I think the real takeaway from this is how valuable a support system is, how valuable it is to have uh, you know have someone else that can empathize with uh, either what you've been through or what you're going through. Uh, you know in this case, you know Zach had uh, Chris and other members of his unit who uh, who all you know all experienced the same thing and that's something we could they could empathize with each other. and I think that it's uh, it's really important to to be able to find that. I mean, you may not be able to find someone who was there uh, when you experience a certain event, but you know, I think that I think that we'd all be surprised how understanding and empathetic other people in our support system can be on a cer- on a particular topic or on a, on a certain feeling or emotion. Uh, so I, th- I think that's the real takeaway here. So I challenge all of you. Uh, you know, when you're when you're facing some hardship, to uh, to reach out to someone within your uh, your friends, your family, your peer group, whatever it be, maybe a mentor, and uh, you know, open up, let them know what's what's going on. I think that I think that we'd all be surprised on, on how uh, how able they're able to reciprocate uh, those those feelings and, and be able to support us. One too many project dot com is the the hub for the project. That's O-N-E, the number two, manyproject.com. You can listen to all the episodes there. There's information. There's ways to ask questions. There's ways to contact myself if you have any, um, if you have any interest in sharing your story on the show or you have uh, something else that you want to discuss, you can, you can go there. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with my momentary reflections. I know I said that the last time and it didn't happen, but uh, when you see tomorrow's reflections... Uh, you'll understand why it was difficult for me to uh, to release this right away. I had to, I really had to sit on it and think about it, uh, and you know I'm I'm ready to share it finally. It's coming out tomorrow, uh, so stay tuned. BlogTalkRadio.com/slash/VeteranSuicide or OneTooManyProject.com/slash/iTunes is how you can subscribe, follow, and listen to further episodes. Thank you. See you tomorrow.